Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. All right, we're in week five of a series that we titled Current Events, Current Events. And I believe, Holy Spirit willing, this is where we're going to land the plane on this uh, current event series. Number five is the number for grace, and I'm praying that there will be grace upon me to share what God has put on my heart to share. But the whole series really has been around how to have peace in a world that's full of war. Everywhere you look, there's wars. There's wars on social media, there's wars on the family, there's wars on identity, there's wars on gender, there's wars everywhere you look, there's another explosion of a war, there's physical wars that are being fought in our world right now. How do we as Christians approach that? And so a few weeks ago, we talked about spiritual warfare. We talked about overcoming fear. We talked about arming ourselves with the word of God. And so we're gonna pray, and then we're gonna jump into it, amen? Why don't we just all pray together, Lord? We just thank you. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for your voice, God, that's above any other voice in our minds and our heads right now. We just lean into you. We lean into your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for breathing. Like you said in Matthew 13, that you said that the, the wise scribe finds treasures and brings out the old and the new. And so, Lord, I pray that you would breathe on the scriptures, the old and the new, that it would be fresh revelation, fresh manna to us today. Lord, nobody came to hear me speak. We all showed up today to hear you speak. So we just ask God in these moments together, would you just speak? Would your fire fall again? Holy Spirit, come and breathe on this time together. Breathe on your word. Touch our minds. Give us understanding. I pray for a spirit of faith to rise up in this room today. Thank you, Jesus, that you overcame, and through you we overcome so I just thank you for your Holy Spirit being here. Amen. Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles today, you can turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Today is a famous day. Uh, all across the world, there will be a Christian celebrating Pentecost. And the Jews had celebrate, been celebrating Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks. And we're going to jump into what that means for us Today, because God word, God's word is applicable. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, right? And the two edges of the sword, it's the old and the new. Like I just prayed, it's in Matthew 13, I think verse 15. Jesus said, the wise scribe, the steward, the under, person of understanding of his word that goes into their treasure, you pull out the old and you pull out the new. He's talking about pulling out old things and new things that he's gonna do. And so uh, we're gonna jump into Acts chapter two. If you're not familiar, this is the historical account of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And secular and sacred historians alike know that this happened. So let me just give you the backstory, kind of the setup for what we're about to read. So the backstory was Jesus walked the face of the earth, he lived and he spent three and a half years with his disciples and he taught them about the kingdom of heaven. And then at the end of the three and a half years, he died 
a death that he didn't deserve to give us what we don't deserve. And that's eternal life, everlasting life, and freedom and close relationship with the Father. And so Jesus dies on the cross, right? We celebrate it. And then on Easter, we celebrate the what? The resurrection, right? So three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, and then he appears, and he spends time. And there was over 500 eyewitness accounts of people that said, I saw him, I spent time with him, I had a meal with him. And they were so convinced that they really saw Jesus spent time, touched his hands, that they weren't seeing a ghost. They were so convinced that this really was Jesus that many of them would die a martyr's death because they refused to renounce Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so this is all happening. And in the course of the 40 days Jesus is spending with them, he ends up having a meal with his disciples. And during the meal, he tells them over the meal, he says, hey guys, at the end of this time together, I'm going to go away, but I want you to go to Jerusalem and do not leave the city. You know that gift that I've been telling you about? My father has for you. You're going to get it. I want you to stay in the city to receive the gift that my father has for you. And so Jesus speaks to them. He gives them the great commission, and then he ascends into heaven. The disciples go back into the city, and they gather together, and then they just spend time praying and worshiping. And they're kind of like, we're waiting. Day one goes by. We're praying and waiting. Day two goes by. We're praying and waiting. Day three goes by. They're praying and waiting. They're like, what do we do? And this is all the setup for the day of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. So we're going to read this now in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, let me just be Captain Obvious for a moment. This is wild. Like, this is a wild moment, right? You read this, you're like, what? Tongues of fire? Like, what in the world? Like, a mighty rushing wind? I mean, this seems a little crazy, right? And when, sometimes when you talk about the Holy Spirit, depending on the circles that you're from, or maybe you grew up in, or what you've been exposed to, or maybe you're reading this for the first time today, and you're like, I have no idea what this man is talking about. Good news, today is for you. Okay, I grew up Catholic, and, the, and, and as a Catholic boy, you kind of you 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 share about the Holy Spirit, but it's like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Like that's about the gist of you talking about the Holy Spirit in Catholicism, right? And so I grew up. I never really knew much about the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like the uncle that shows up maybe once or twice a year. You know, Christmas, Thanksgiving. That's about it. He's cool. He's fine. But we just don't really hang out together. That's how the Holy Spirit was to me growing up as a Catholic boy. And so here's this thing, and you read this. It's like this mighty rushing wind. All of a sudden, tongues of fire, and it's like, what in the world is happening? To us, in the day and time that we live in, this looks crazy. But it actually wasn't that crazy to the original believers. Now, mind you, it was wild what happened, but I want to take you back because this happened on the day of Pentecost. Tongues of fire fall. This is, Pentecost is not a Christian holiday. First and foremost, Pentecost, the celebration of Pentecost is actually an Old Testament uh, feast that was instituted by God. It's one of the, the holy feasts of the Lord. So I titled this message, Fire Power. 
I couldn't think of a better sermon title. I just thought, firepower sounds good, Lord. You know, mil- military, military might is measured by your firepower, right? And so I want to remind us today, remind you today, you have more firepower than you know. The Holy Spirit, he wants to, he's, today he's getting into, he wants to get into your spirit and he wants to say, hey, I'm putting my fire on you and he's going to light you up on the inside with the things of God. Amen? All right, so first off, you got to understand Pentecost. Pentecost is not a Christian holiday. Okay, we hear that word and we're like, yeah, it's Pentecost Sunday. And by the way, Authentic Church, so we've only been around about a year and a half now, and our first Sunday that we met in this building was actually on Pentecost last year. It was May 23rd. Pentecost is kind of a moving holiday, if you will. And so it was on May 23rd last year, and now here it is on June the 5th, and we're here again on Pentecost Sunday. And so we've been here now for uh, just over a year, but it's not a Christian holiday. Pentecost actually is the Greek word that's translated out of the Hebrew word Shavuot. Can everybody say that? Shavuot. Look at that. Listen one more time. Shavuot. You guys are speaking Hebrew. Come on. You can tell everybody you went to church today and I learned Hebrew from a rabbi. You know what I'm kidding? <laughs> so Pentecost was the Greek word translated from the Hebrew, Shavuot. Um, and you, may, you say, okay, that's great, but what the heck is Shavuot, right? Shavuot is actually the Hebrew word for weeks. And so what happened is uh, there, there was a, a, a holy convocation. There was, there was these, these feasts, these days of the Lord that was set up. And I'm going to take us back. So here we are. Go with me, if you will. So, so t- kind of take a mental screenshot. Here we are, Acts chapter 2, tongues of fire, mighty rushing wind. Everything's about to explode, right? Okay, hit the pause. Let me take you back in time a couple thousand years and there's Moses, and he had just led the children of Israel out of Egypt, and they're, they're in the desert, and Moses goes up to Mount Sinai, and he spends time with God. In the course of spending time with God, God downloads and gives him the Ten Commandments and downloads the Torah to him. The Torah, this is like Hebrew class today, the Torah is the first five books of our old, what we know as the Old Testament, all right? So the Torah, in, in uh, the first five books, the, they would call it, the Jews would call it the Pentateuch, right? So penta meaning five. So you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, okay? That was the Torah. So Moses is spending all this time in the presence of God on Mount Sinai. God gives him the download for all those books. Some of them kind of coincide with each other, like Exodus and Leviticus kind of intertwine. And then, um, and, and, and then Moses is given the Ten Commandments. During the course of that conversation over many days, with God, God speaks to him and he shares with him. And in Leviticus 23, we get a glimpse into it. And it says, Leviticus 23, verse 1 and 2, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, these are the appointed feasts. Everybody say appointed feasts. These are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are my appointed feasts. It's really important that you understand that when you look at the biblical timeline, especially when you're looking at the prophetic things that are unfolding, that you understand these are the feasts of the Lord. So, that, so this conversation happens. So a holy convocation, what does that mean? The holy convocation, it's a sacred assembly. The feast. So God gives Moses all these different feasts that the children of Israel are now going to follow. 
And the Lord is saying it's different than just a get-together, right? We get together, they're, they're, they're taking their Sabbath, like the Sabbath is, is outlined in, in there in the feast and, and also one of the commandments, right? And so he's saying this is different than that. It's, it's different than when we get together and, and we talk about God and, we, and you get taught in school. It's a different type of a meeting. It's different than coming to church on a Sunday morning. This is different. This is a sacred, holy assembly, and the Lord's telling them that because in those moments, in those gatherings, he said, I would be in their midst. And so when they would come together, they would present an offering to the Lord, the priest would, and he would be in their midst. So Pentecost. So Pentecost was a pilgrim festival. There were three pilgrim festivals, and you're thinking pilgrim. Yes, if you, can, if you can think pilgrims in the Mayflower, they were pilgrims leaving and coming to a new place. They, back, back in those days, you would have a pilgrimage that you would do as an adult male three times a year. You would come to Jerusalem and you would bring an offering to the Lord. And then, uh, so Pentecost, it was a holiday. So what was going on in the city? I always kind of love when I read the text, I like to put myself in the middle of it, right? I try to, like, I, I like to play it out kind of in my mind like a good movie, right? And so in, in, in this movie, you know, here's, here's in, 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 in the New Testament, so let's go back to our New Testament buddies, the early disciples there in Acts 2. So in the New Testament, the city's bustling with people. They've been celebrating Shavuot, Pentecost, they've been celebrating that for hundreds, thousands, over a thousand years, right? So every year it's the same thing at this time. It's a party. School's out. People are off work. They're hanging out and they're partying. And then when it comes to the day of Pentecost, the Jews will spend most of their time studying scriptures, praying, and fasting that day. And the reason, and, and a lot of times, devout Jews, even now, they'll stay up all night long. And it's a practice that they have. The reason that they do is because when Moses comes down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments, they were asleep in their ways. They were asleep to the things of God. And they don't want to fall asleep again. So a lot of devout Jews will actually stay up all night long tonight studying the scriptures and praying. So there's, there's certain these celebrations that are prescribed. And on this particular one, in Shavuot, the priest would gather and would have two loaves that he would wave as an offering to the Lord. You can laugh, I know, I know, right. You'd be like, church was crazy today. Tongues of fire, the rabbi, priest, Catholic, ex-Catholic pastor guy gets up and he was waving loaves of challah bread. So, so there's, in the appointed feasts, of all the appointed feasts, you gotta think, there, there, there's an implication to it. So Jesus, the, the main things that happened in Jesus' life, the highlights, if you will, always happened on one of the feasts of the Lord. It's as if the Lord actually designed the feast to point everybody to Jesus, just the thought. And so the, the feast always coincided with amazing happenings in Jesus' life. So for instance, one of the feasts is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which we know as Passover, right? So on Easter Sunday, uh, or excuse me, on, on uh, the crucifixion, day of crucifixion, that was the feast that Jesus fulfilled, the feast of Passover, right? A few days later, Jesus come, busts out of the tomb and resurrection Sunday, and not just any Sunday. Jesus came on what, what day and time? He could have rose from the grave the next day, but he came on an appointed day, an appointed feast, and it was the feast of first fruits, okay? 
There is a purpose to it, right? Jesus, Jesus was the Passover lamb who paid for the sins of, of all of us. And then on the feast of first fruits, when they're all gathering there for the first fruits offering, who shows up? Jesus. He's like, I'm back, you know. And so then he spends all this time and then he goes away. And then on, on Pentecost, on Shavuot, the Holy Spirit gets poured out. And I just want to say this. God's timing is perfect. Some of you may be sitting here today and you're like, man, I've been holding out for a promise from God in an area of my life. If God said it, it'll come to pass. If God hasn't brought it to pass, but he already said it, then he is working. And when it doesn't look like God is working, God's working. When, when God's doing nothing, God's actually doing something. When God's doing something, he's doing something. When he's not doing something, he's actually doing something. So some of you have things, promises that you've been holding on to from God and you haven't necessarily seen it come to pass. I just want to encourage you today. Don't let go of the promise. Don't let go of that promise. And I feel like there's a word for somebody here, and this is outside of the notes, so don't try to follow along there, Joe. But uh, Habakkuk chapter two, it's a famous scripture and passage of scripture. We love to quote it. It says, it says, write the vision, make it plain, right? That somebody can run with it. We love to quote that one, especially like on a vision Sunday or you're, you know, you're doing things, something visionary related. We love to quote that. Write it, make it plain. But we forget the, the next part. It says, uh, even though it takes a while in coming, it may seem slow to you, don't give up. It will come. <laughs> we always, somehow we forget that second part of that scripture, right? And I just want to encourage you today. God's timing is perfect. All right, let me get back to the text. So when Jesus died on the cross, he fulfills Passover. So Passover and Pentecost, they're interconnected, right? So Passover is redemption. It represents the redemption of the children of Israel being redeemed, right? God brings them out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage. You're redeemed, right? So that's what Passover represents. Pentecost is when the Torah is downloaded, the word of God is given. That speaks of revelation. So you have this redemption and revelation. So, uh, so Moses is up on Mount Sinai, Leviticus 23, and he's getting a download from the Lord. And in the, the representation of these two loaves that the priest is holding up is representative, it's symbolic of a number of things, but to the, but to the Jews, it represented the Ten Commandments, the two tablets that were given to Moses, right? You know the story, so the Lord gives the two tablets with the Ten Commandments, gives them, and Moses comes down from the mountain. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I read something in Scripture, and I'm like, that's cool, two stone tablets. Makes it kind of easy for Moses to carry down the mountain, you know, depending on how big the tablets were, you know. I'm thinking that's, but I'm like, you're God. You could have wrote them on one tablet. I mean, you know what I mean? You could have wrote them, you could have done front and back. You know, you could have just... You know, here it is, Moses. You know, like, I, I'm, I'm down for two-sided printing. You know, like, you know. Why two? Why two? Let me tell you why two. Because the, the, the two different tablets, the first five commandments that the Lord gives to Moses, the Ten Commandments, it's all about the vertical. It's about our relationship with God. The next Ten Commandments is, uh, next five of the Ten Commandments is all about our relationship with each other. And when you put those together, there in the center, 
is a representation of the cross smack dab in the middle where Jesus makes a way for us with the vertical relationship and then also the grace for the horizontal relationship that we have. Isn't that a good visual? And so we, 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 we celebrate that and we see the symbolism even in those little areas of life. And so the Jews are celebrating this and the two represent the word of God and then also the spirit of God. Think about this, here's a thought. On this day in history, on the first Shavuot, the first Feast of Weeks, when, when, when Moses is getting the download of these things, he's given the word of God. Fast forward back to our buddies, the disciples that are gathered and praying, they're, giving, they're given the spirit of God. There was the word of God and the spirit of God. And the word of God is truth. Jesus said there will come a day when people will worship me in spirit and in truth. The word of God and the Holy Spirit. And by the word of God and with the Holy Spirit, God created, right? It says that where the spirit is hovering, right? But nothing was created until what? Until God spoke, when God spoke a word. That's why the message last week hopefully really helped you and blessed you on those daily declarations, you begin to partner with the Spirit of God and declare the Word of God over situations that you may face in life. And by the way, if you wanted more copies of those declarations, we have a bunch that are printed for you that are out at the Connect table. So if you want extra copies of those I Am declarations, it's on there. We also have the Ten Commandments listed on the back. That's on there. Fruit of the Spirit, the armor of God. It's a great resource. So I want to get that to you. Um, and Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He says this. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the old has come new. The word and the spirit together create all new things. I remember a number of years ago, we got our first high-definition television. Do you guys remember that? You remember life before that? And there was like, you can get it, you know, high-definition. And then if you wanted to watch something, they had like the standard channels for all the poor poppers that hadn't upgraded our televisions, right? And then they had the high-definition channels for all you rich people that watched it in high def, right? And you could watch something, like I love to watch football and sports, and I remember when I was trying to figure out what channel is it on? It seems like there's all of a sudden a lot of channels, and some are high-def and some are, you know, standard. And I'm like, you know, okay. So we got the new TV, and, and people are telling me, like my, my tech buddy Justin, he's like, it's the best. And so, you know, you got to have that high definition. And so, you know, you're watching. Well, we watched, like, I remember watching a football game, my Seattle Seahawks, and I'm watching them play, and I'm like, the game was great. But I'm like, this isn't that like the high definition thing isn't that awesome. Well, then I realized after the fact I was watching it in standard definition. So I wasn't even watching the game in high definition. So of course I couldn't make out the blades of grass that were on the field or the slow motion as the guy's super muscles kind of like bounce as he's slowly going across the, you know, the, the, the turf, you know. And because I wasn't watching it in high definition. Look, when you don't have the Old Testament and the New Testament together, when you don't have the Word of God and the Spirit of God, it's like you're not getting the full value of what Jesus paid for you. You're only getting like a partial inheritance. I'm here to tell you today on Pentecost Sunday, he wants to give you the full inheritance. He doesn't want to hold anything back. He wants to give you the Holy Spirit today. 
The Holy Spirit's the fire of God. When you look in the Old Testament, um, the s- symbolism for the Old Testament of the Holy Spirit was always oil, right? You read about it. There were, they would use anointing oil. We have anointing oil here. James talks about, is anybody sick among you? Anoint them with oil, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, right? Back in the Old Testament, the anointing oil was reserved for prophets, priests, and kings, and articles in the sanctuary that would be used for worship. And quite simply, it's like, what does it mean to anoint with oil? It means you're setting it apart for a holy purpose. Can I tell you, you've been set apart for a holy purpose. You've been set apart for a holy purpose, and the fire of God wants to come into your life in such a fresh, beautiful way. Where Everywhere you go, it's like marketplace ministry. Everywhere you go, you bring the power and the presence of God with you. You've been anointed as a priest to do priestly duties. You've been anointed as a prophet to boldly declare the things of God and call a nation and people right to the things of God. You've been anointed as a king, that you have authority wherever you go. Come on, this is the anointing of God. That's the fire of the Holy Spirit. So that oil, that fire is being poured out upon the believers. Some people say, well, don't I receive the Holy Spirit when I believe in Jesus? Yes, you do, but then there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm not gonna do a big in-depth teaching today on the Holy Spirit. I'm kind of just giving you just kind of like a a taster, if you you will. This is just an appetizer, but hopefully it serves it up in such a way that you want to go home and you just want to start reading and studying like a bunch of Jewish people are doing today as they're studying and reading the scriptures and staying up all night. I'm praying some of you will have an all-night session with God today. And I know this week, this is just a, a off question. Has anybody felt like they were woken up in the middle of the night this week by the Holy Spirit? I had so many people, yeah, I've, I had so many people telling me like, man, I was up at 3 a.m., I was up at 2 a.m., I was up at 4 a.m., whatever it is. And they're like, man, I didn't want to go back to sleep. I just felt like God was leading me on this wild goose chase. That's really what's happening with the Holy Spirit. All right, so the two loaves, the stone tablets, two loaves obviously for us as believers represent that Jesus came, salvation came to the Jews and to the Gentiles. And we go through, we take a look at it, that uh the, the, the Ten Commandments, God speaks the Ten Commandments, so let me get back to that thought. Why Ten Commandments? Why not twelve? Why not four? Why not three? Three's a great number. Could we just break it down, <laughs> you know? There's, there's ten, why Ten Commandments? Well, Jesus gets asked this question, and he says, they ask him, they said, teacher, what's the greatest commandment? Remember what he said? He said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God, right? And then he said, love your neighbor as yourself. What was he doing there? He was summarizing the Ten Commandments. Love the Lord your God, and then love your neighbor as yourself. So when he summarized it, he speaks to that. So there's Ten Commandments. Why Ten Commandments? Let me just throw this out there, food for thought. So in Genesis, we read how God created the world, right? And it says the Spirit's hovering, and then when he spoke the word, creation happened, right? Right? Ten times in the book of Genesis, you can go read it, ten times God speaks and creates. Ten times. How many plagues hit the Egyptians? Ten, right? Ten plagues. And that was a redemptive moment for the children of Israel when they came out of that. And then God gives ten commandments for revelation. So there was creation, redemption, and then revelation. Creation, redemption, and revelation. And so God creates by his word. It's really important if you're a creative in here, if 
you're a creative person, if you're a creative cat, how many creatives would you say we have in the room? If you're a creative, you're like, I, I love creativity. I know you creatives because you're late to everything. That's, that's how I know a creative. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> creatives, it's like, what time? There's, I'm just enjoying life. I'm a creative, right? You know? Let me tell you, creatives, if you truly want to create things great, be it songs, if it's paintings, my wife paints, so she's incredibly creative. Um, if, if it's creating videos, if it's creating um, new businesses, when you do move into the world, that creative world, you need to be filled up with the word of God and you need to be filled up with the spirit of God. So Passover connects to Pentecost, the word of God and the spirit of God. And if you take a look at uh, Babel in the Old Testament, um, the number two, by the way, it represents unity as well, right? A man and a woman, two people, they become one flesh, right? So it represents unity, represents identity. And so when you look in the Old Testament, they had some unity in different times. One of the times they had unity was when they were building the Tower of Babel, right? That was bad unity, okay? That's where they're building a tower. They were so unified in, in their, their, their plans, but it was evil. And so the Lord sent confusion by multiplying all the different languages. That's where you get the word babble, like, oh, they're just babbling. They're babbling on about whatever, right? That's actually from, that's, that's out of the scriptures where the Tower of Babel was being built by these people. And they were unified for the wrong purpose. So there is great, you can, if you're unified, you can do incredible things, good or bad. In the New Testament, when we see with our friends in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit's poured out and there is now, they're speaking different languages, and most scholars believe there were 70 languages represented on the day of Pentecost based on all the different nations that would have been there, that would have come, that done the pilgrimage. 70 in the Bible uh, represents nations. It's a beautiful picture. I'm not gonna go down numerology and everything else, but uh, they're all gathered together there, and the Holy Spirit gets poured out, and that was a redemptive moment for what happened in Babel. And, and, and at the Tower of Babel, the, the language has come and it causes confusion. And the Holy Spirit's poured out in Acts chapter two, language has come, but it brings unity in the spirit. And that's the redemptive aspect. And this leads into Jeremiah 31, 31, where Passover is connecting Pentecost. It establishes this new covenant for us as believers. Jeremiah 31, the Lord gives this promise. He said, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I'm gonna make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. No, no, not like that. I'm actually gonna bring them about my covenant. They broke that, though I was their husband. But for this covenant, this new covenant, I'm gonna make with the house of Israel after those, those days, declares the Lord, this is the new covenant. I'm gonna put my law within them. I'm gonna write it on their hearts. I'm gonna be their God, and they shall be my people. So tongues of fire, let's go back to that fun picture. So there's tongues of fire that falls on all the believers in Acts chapter two. To you and I, that seems like, well, that's bananas, right? To, the, to that believer, it wasn't so crazy. Because back in the old days, they, when, the, when the children of Israel, uh, they, they get led into, they get brought out as slaves and they get, they're led into bondage again for their disobedience and sin, they end up in Babylon. You read this in Ezra and Nehemiah, during that time, scribes would then take the Torah that was in Hebrew and they would have to translate it to Aramaic. Why did they have to do that? Because there was a whole generation that was being raised up 
in Babylon with their school system, you know, infiltrating children and, and, and changing generations through the school system is not a new thought. That's been around for thousands of years, okay? And so the Babylonians are doing that when they conquered the children of Israel, and they're raising them up, and they're, they're teaching them Aramaic. Well, some of the scribes, they get, they get the Torah, and they translate it from Hebrew to Aramaic so that people can read and understand it. In, uh, in Exodus 19 and 20, when the Ten Commandments are given, there is an old text called the Targum, uh, Targum Neopheti. I think, yeah, there you go. Fire, anyways, Targum Neopheti. And, it's, and, it's, and that's actually an Aramaic translation of the Torah that you can read. You can pick it up today if you wanted to online. And in that, in Exodus 19 and 20, one of the languages, I'm just gonna read it here, it says this, when it's talking about the giving of the, of the Ten Commandments, it says this, like torches of fire, a torch on the right, and a torch to the left. It flew like cleft wings swiftly in the airs of heaven and came back returning and engraved on the tablets of the covenant and all Israel beheld it. That's in the Aramaic Bible of the Torah. So cleft wings, like fire, wind, blowing in and out, torches of fire. So this picture of the fire of God, this picture of cleft tongues of fire, this is not weird to the first century believing church. And just for kicks, I decided I want to I just see what's being talked about as we approach Pentecost. I want to see what the Jewish community is talking about. So there's a few different websites, Kabod and some of the different ones that I go to. And I found this picture. And this picture was the, there, there's, there's like the, this picture of a boy and he's sitting down at the Torah scrolls and there's fire all around him. This, this was posted this past week. And they're talking about the fire of God, because they're remembering the fire of God writing the Ten Commandments. Well, to you and I as New Testament believers, we could look at that and go, that looks like Pentecost, because it was. So really, Pentecost in the New Testament, Acts chapter 2, is like a refresh on the old story of the original giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai, where the fire of God came and inscribed the Word of God into the stone tablets. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27 says this. This is a promise. The Lord says, I'm gonna give you a new heart and a new spirit I'm gonna put within you. I'm gonna remove this heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'm gonna put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Can I just say we need the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Somebody said, do I need the Holy Spirit to get to heaven? Dude, you need the Holy Spirit just to get to Walmart right now, right? You know, like you need to be led by the Holy Spirit in all areas of our lives. I have a, a, a friend of mine who's in the church. Uh, for the sake of this recording, I'm gonna leave his name, uh, name, his, his name nameless right now. But he's, uh, he's a, a police officer with LAPD. And he carries, as a good police officer, when he leaves the house, he carries a badge and a gun, right? Two items, right? You, you've seen it probably in every Western movie, right? There'd be a time where the bad guys are coming against the sheriff, and the sheriff's like, oh my goodness, I'm out and gunned, I'm not man. I'm gonna come over here, and I'm gonna deputize you and you and you, and he gives them a badge and a gun, right? And he goes, all right, you've been deputized, you've been commissioned, now you can go get the bad guys. Well, my buddy that, that's a police officer with LAPD, it would be foolish for him to show up on the force on a day of work without his badge or his gun, right? Why? Because the badge shows authority, the gun reinforces the power that he's been given, right? 
And so you have been given, I've been given, we've been given as believers in Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, it's like, it's your badge. It's your gun. You've not only been given the authority of heaven to go and do the things of God, you've been given the power to do it. And the Holy Spirit wants to come on you with great power. When the Holy Spirit comes on the New Testament church back at Acts chapter two, what happens? Boldness comes into their lives. Peter, who is whimpering, and when Jesus is being you know, whipped and flogged and everything, he's ashamed to confront a little girl at a fire. He's like, I, I can't, I, I don't even know this guy. He, he renounces that he even knows Jesus at the fire. But then when the Holy Spirit comes, when that fire comes, suddenly he's filled with boldness and things happen. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, I love this quote from A.W. Tozer. Um, Tozer, he lived back in late 1800s to about the mid-1964, I think he passed away. And he said this. He wrote this back in, I think it was the 1940s when he actually penned this. He said at that time, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would even know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. I read that, man. I feel convicted reading that. I'm like, Lord, I don't want to do anything without your Spirit. I don't want to lean to my own understanding. I don't want to just get up and say some words. I don't want to just put together a song list. I don't just want to have church. I can't stand that. That's why I think the Lord led us to plant authentic church is because there was something that he wanted to do and the name came that he wanted to do something, quite frankly, that was authentic, the real, the genuine. And we're just doing our best, kind of like we're holding on on an eight-second ride, man, (laughs) until Jesus comes. The Holy Spirit is the difference maker in our lives and as far as I'm concerned, it will, he will be the difference maker in our church. And I pray that when we get together, when we gather, that you sense the Holy Spirit, that you encounter God, that you encounter him. All right, back to the book of Acts. So back in the book of Acts, so the Holy Spirit gets poured out. A crowd comes over. They're like, what in the world is going on? Most people believe this is on the steps leading up to the the Temple Mount there. There's some southern steps. It's a beautiful spot. And the reason people think that this conversation happened at that because there was a mikvah there that was the only place that was large enough where you could actually baptize 3,000 people because that's what ends up happening. So people come and they're like, what in the world's going on? They're speaking in tongues. And all these people are hearing the gospel message, the goodness of God. They're hearing a word of God, a word from God in their own language where suddenly they can understand it. So you got people from Ethiopia. You got people that are that came from Greece. You got people that traveled down from different areas of the world and they're all hearing the word of God spoken in their native language. And then and and then some some people that are there they start making fun of them. They're like these guys are drunk. Like look at them. This is bananas, right? And I probably would have been that guy. I would have been like these people are drunk. Like this is crazy. This is wild, right? And so here and Peter gets up he goes, "Dude, I'm telling you they're not drunk." They're not drunk. Actually, this was what was prophesied out of the prophet Joel. And so Peter, his first public address, man, he's ready. He didn't have time really to study up for this message. He didn't have a PowerPoint presentation. He's like, what do I say? And so what what does he do? He rips a message that takes less than two minutes to read out of the old prophet Joel. And he shares, this is what was prophesied in the book of Joel, that the Lord is gonna pour out his spirit on all flesh. The sons and daughters are gonna prophesy. This is the day. 
And so he shares that message, and they're like, wow, incredible message. And it says they're cut to their heart. And, and immediately hearing Peter's words, they're like, what do we need to do to be saved? Oh, my goodness, what do we do? And Peter says that, that Jesus that you crucified, he, he was the Messiah. He's the Messiah. You need to put your faith in him. And they said, okay, what do we need to do? He said, right now you need to repent, every single one of you, and go be baptized. I find it interesting that there was no prayer, there was no salvation prayer that was prayed. Sometimes as a pastor or preacher, you can get focused on pray this prayer, and you almost feel like you're trying to convince somebody to join Amway, right? You know, and it's like, if you would just, or, or sell essential oils, or whatever it is. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, yeah, but that's not, that's not the way of the Lord. The, Lord. the Lord's calling us. He's calling us out. He's saying, if you really want to follow me, let me tell you what it looks like. It looks like you're not going to live anymore. You don't get to call the shots anymore. It looks like I get to call the shots in your life. Not Jeff. I'm talking God is saying this to you, right? God's going to call the shots. And if you really want to follow him, what it looks like is then you're going to be water baptized. Every single one of you. And so they're like, okay, let's do it. And so they get in the mikvah, this cleansing pool there, and they begin to baptize people. That, that scripture we read out of Ezekiel, if you go and read that chapter, chapter 35, let me tell you a few things that it says in there. It says, I'm gonna sprinkle you with water. That speaks of a future baptism. He talks about how there's gonna be unity and he's gonna do these, th that's what ends up happening after the filling of the Holy Spirit. So picking the story back up, Acts chapter two, verse 38. So Peter says to them, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For what? For the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and your children and for those all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourself from this crooked generation. If it was a crooked, some uh, uh, translations say a perverse generation, okay, if it was perverse and crooked back then, how much more so is it crooked and perverse now? Save yourself from this crooked and perverse generation. Verse 41, so those who received this word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. And some churches are afraid and some people are afraid to talk about the Holy Spirit as if it's gonna offend somebody. By the way, when you read through Paul's writings, who wrote more about it than any other, Paul writes about it, he says, tongues actually for the unbeliever. Prophecies are for the believer. I had a hard time with that growing up Catholic. I was like, that's bizarre. Really? But there was something intriguing. It was like that was a sign, and it caught the attention of people, and in that moment, all these people get added to the church. So the fire of God wants to come into your life, into my life in a fresh way today. And I just want us to just go ahead and stand together as we're going to close out. I'm going to have um, the band come back up. I don't know where everybody is sitting, but if you're part of the band, thank you. <laughs> come on up. Isaac, Danielle, Jackie, go ahead and come up. You guys all blended in there. <laughs> Acts 2.42 says this. says this is, this is the result of what happens. So Holy Spirit comes. All these people get touched and filled and baptized. And then this beautiful thing happens. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and they had all things in common. 
Look at this unity. Verse 45. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You know, you can come to church and maybe today you heard some talk about groups and connect groups. That's not just like, hey, let's join a connect group. No, you know what it is? It's the church being the church. We can do a lot here, but only so much connection, only so much quality connection can happen in rows. It's, it's better on couches. It's better in circles. It's, it's, it's better. Sometimes less is more. And so I just want to encourage you as a pastor, as a friend, I want to encourage you as a, as a husband to my wife, as a dad to my kids, as a brother to, to many people, I just want to encourage you the power that happens when you connect, when you come together with other believers. Maybe you're here today and you're like, this is awesome. I've heard about the Holy Spirit. I want an experience like that. I want to encounter God. I want the fire of the Holy Spirit. I want to understand the Word of God more, the Word and the Spirit together. I want to see the creative work of God in my life in greater measure. If that's you, I just want to open up the front. We're going to have some prayer time this morning as Danielle closes out in, in song. I just want to, I would be honored to pray with you. I'd be honored to pray with you that the fire of God is going to come into your life in fresh measure. And if you're here and you're like, I want to receive the Holy Spirit, just four simple things that you can do to receive the Holy Spirit. Number one, believe in Jesus. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you can't receive the Spirit from Jesus, right? When Jesus took his place at the right hand of the Father, the greatest gift was given to you, and that's the Holy Spirit. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you can't receive the Spirit. So number one is to believe in Jesus. Number two, put simply, just ask God to fill you. Number three, pray and then speak out aloud whatever is going through your mind. And just like on that day in Acts chapter two, it may sound a little different to you. It may sound different to the people around you. And then number four, what we see the New Testament church do, just obey and do whatever God tells you to do. Whatever God tells you to do, we do that. So we're gonna open up the front, and I just wanna invite you to come up. If you would like prayer for the fire of the Holy Spirit in your life, we wanna pray with you. Maybe you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit, but you're like, man, I'm kinda feeling a little empty. The embers are a little cold. We're gonna pray that there's gonna be a fresh feeling for you. Paul talks to Timothy and he exhorts him. He says, be refilled, stir yourself up, stir up that gift of faith. So we wanna pray with you. And outside of that, if you have another prayer request today, man, we'd be so honored and blessed to pray with you. If you're praying for something in life, family situation, job situation, this is a, this is a, this is a holy moment for us as a church family where we rally around with you. We rally together. And so we're gonna open up the front and Danielle just leads us out in this chorus and this song. Just want to invite you to come.
For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.